hear that okay? No? Yes. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. So, um, again, relevant, the, the songs we were singing there, um, and especially the, the first one, walking in the spirit, the vertical, then reaching out from within our own comforts, um, you know, loving with God's hands, seeing with God's eyes one another. It's very much what we're going to be thinking about now in terms of our relationships and in terms of how we do church. Uh, thanks to Brian so much for session two. I feel in many ways that was so relevant and a very rich time of, of just uh, being able to share, bring our, our needs before the Lord with one another. And in many ways where where, where Brian, um, in that second session, began to, if you like, zoom in on the detail. In a sense, now, in the third session, we're going to zoom back out again slightly and think about the kind of context in which those kinds of relationships can, can grow and can develop. How do we see those kinds of relationships happen? Um, great as well just to have some really rich conversations over, over lunch there. And I just one thing came to mind to mention before we start, because it came up in a couple of conversations. People were talking a little bit about Psalm 22. And if we'd had time, we, we could have expanded further and reminded ourselves that those were the words of Jesus um, upon the cross in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his struggle, uh, our Lord turning to the Father in the midst of, of his struggle. And in a sense, it's, it's incredible then when you begin to think that the, the Lord that we turn to is the Lord who himself experienced that experience and, and first um, and, and uttered those words from, from the cross. Uh, so, so what wonders um, we have in, in the Lord that we're, we, we turn to. It's been said of, of our church, uh, my, own, my own home church, um, I don't know if it could be said of Windsor, that the people can be very warm and, and friendly and welcoming, but when it comes to, to getting closer, it feels sometimes like a, a glass pane begins to, to come down. And the question then for us well, is how do we really get to know one another's needs? How do we bring relationships to the point that, that we were in those little groups of three just before lunch? How do we connect with each other so that we are loving one another as God has loved us? And, and that's what we really want to look at now. And how do we do all of that in a church that perhaps is growing tomorrow morning, the Lord willing, you're down in Fane Street again, and there's just a, a crowd of, of people coming in, many, many of whom you, you, may not, you may not know. How do we begin then to grow and develop these kinds of relationships? So that's really what we're going to look at now, and look at, at, at it under a number of headings. And again, a, a lot of these are taken from side by side, um, and you'll see more detail in that book, and I encourage you to, to, to go there. We begin by, by moving towards people. God is a God who has moved towards us. We have a God who has taken the initiative with us. 1 John 4, we love him because he first loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his son and Jesus comes to us. We have in Scripture, if you think about it, tracing right through the story 
of the gospel. We have this pursuing God, a God who comes after us. Right from Adam and Eve leaving the garden, we have this God who is pursuing. We see it then in Jesus, relentlessly pursuing the outcasts, the marginalized, the rejected. And in love and grace, God moves towards us. So if we are to love one another as God has loved us, then we will move toward other people. As the king is, so will go his people. Love one another as I have loved you. God moves towards his friends. He, he moves towards the people on the fringes. He moves towards even his enemies. And so do we. And so we, we come to church with that attitude, with that mindset, as we've just been singing, seeing with the eyes of God. We, we come to home group. We, we, we bump into people with that attitude, shaping our interaction with them. We may move towards people physically. We may go over to them. It may mean a call. It may mean a text. But in all of it is that direction of moving towards. And then what do we do? Well, we greet. We make an introduction. 1 Corinthians 16, 20, all the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, it's one of those one another's that we say, oh, that's just cultural. Um, but get the, the one anothering there of, of the greeting. What it really means is that it, it, we, we welcome, we receive joyfully, we, we take the person to ourselves. That's the idea, actually, of, of embracing. It's a really important word, actually, in the New Testament, the word greet. It appears very commonly, but it's usually at the end of the epistles in the New Testament when, when we've usually uh, lost interest in what's happening. But remember, this is inspired Scripture as, as Paul is greeting personally those that will receive his letters. It's there for a reason. A quarter or so of the instances of the word greet in the New Testament appear at the end of the letter to the Romans, that great letter that is all about the gospel, all about what Christ has come to do for us. And Paul has just opened up for us in wonderful, rich detail all that Christ has done. And then what's the great implication of that for Paul in his relationship personally with the people that will receive this letter? It's that he greets them, he, he welcomes them. I take you to myself. On the basis of all that Christ has done, I welcome you, I greet you. It's one of the first implications of the gospel for our relationships. Now, not all churches are huggy. I don't know whether Windsor is a huggy church or not. We're not very huggy at Kilikameen, although we're kind of moving in a huggy direction. Um, but the idea that, that, that Paul is, is getting at there is that we, we, we greet one another with familial warmth, with the warmth of family, as brothers and sisters. We have, been, we have been welcomed and greeted by our Lord, by our Father in heaven, and so we welcome others. 
And as we receive and accept others, we do it to the Lord. Tomorrow morning, when you see that person that you've never seen before and you greet them with familial warmth, listen to what Jesus says. He says, whoever receives one of these little children in my name is receiving me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. We do it as to the Lord. Are there priorities about who we should uh, greet first? There does seem to be an emphasis in Scripture about us moving towards what the Old Testament will call the alien, the the foreigner welcoming them. Um, So the people that you don't know, the people that you haven't seen before, they seem to take a priority. The people on the fringes, the people who seem to be on their own, who wander in and out and don't seem to have anyone with them, they seem to take the priority. So we greet. On the basis of how God has dealt with us, we move towards and we greet, we accept, we welcome with familial warmth. Well, you've greeted, you've welcomed the person. What happens next? Do we just stare at each other? At this point, my children will be going, awkward. This seems to be kind of the the term that we we use today. And of course, it can feel awkward. We all know what, what that's like. What we want to begin to do in terms of engaging with people is to to have thoughtful conversations. It happened before lunch. It happened over lunch, I'm sure. We have thoughtful conversations with one another. I, I would emphasize the thoughtful part of this. Thoughtful means that you are focused on and paying attention to the person that you're engaging with. You're, you're, you're taking in, you, you're, you're processing what they're saying and that this then is directing the flow of the conversation. It's one of the things that can cause a conversation to fall a bit flat is when uh, I'm distracted, I'm more concerned about what you are thinking about me than about what you're actually saying to me or I'm distracted by the time, or I'm distracted by needing to go and talk to someone else. And of course, there are all kinds of distractions that can come in and can, can break up that, that thoughtful tracking of a conversation. One of the big distractions, of course, these days is screens, our screens. Um, this really came home to me over, over the summer when I was off. And uh, over the summer, you're, if you're off on leave, you want to get a break from everything. And yet we would find ourselves, my wife and I, sitting down. And, you know, I would then be, hmm, checking, you know, who's been emailing. The notifications are on. There's a little ping. And, of course, the whole thing was so distracting. There was no winding down, no relaxing, but no focusing attention on the person who was there. We've got to be so careful about the technology and the distractions that can come in and can begin to distract us from the person that's, that's in front of us. So engaging the person, having thoughtful um, conversations. We need to think about what I've called there the verbal handshake, as it were. Um, there, there are standard icebreakers which can help us as we meet people. The, the how are you? Um, How's it going? I love Brian's illustration about uh, the the former pastor here, Roy. Um, So, so relevant, that kind of... I mean, we all say the kind of, how's it going? 
what about you, um, as a kind of a, a greeting, an icebreaker. And yet, there's something that then moves the conversation on when, when you do, as, as, as Roy had done, which was, you know, how's it really going? How are things really going with you? We just ask the question again with that little bit more intention. You know, how, how are you? Um, it may go on. I haven't seen you here before. Um, weather's not bad. I mean, I know the weather is always a topic of conversation um, in this part of the world. But even a conversation about the weather can be significant if there is loving intention behind it. If, if, the, if the goal of that conversation is loving engagement, even a conversation, do not dismiss conversations about the weather. Um, there are even the non-standard greetings. One that I kind of have to try and employ every so often is, I'm really sorry, I've forgotten your name. Um, uh, and, and sometimes it's better just to, to be honest about that. We're, we're expressing a humility. There may be someone that turned up at church last week for the first time, and tomorrow you spot them again, and you go over, and they had told you who they were last week, but you've just forgotten. And don't be afraid to say, you know, really sorry, just remind me of your name again. There's a humility to that which is honest and authentic and, and I think bears the, the fruit um, of the Spirit in it. So that verbal handshake. And then where, where do we go next as the conversation begins to open up with someone? Um, now remember the aim of this. You're wanting to love your neighbor, love the person in front of you so that you can begin to understand their needs and, and care for them and, and pray for them. So we're wanting to get then to those needs that we've already been thinking about in the first couple of sessions today. How do we move from those initial aspects of conversation through to someone's need? We're wanting to get then to what's important for the person. And that's where the third point there comes in, that following the affections. Because in a sense, when we're talking about getting to someone's need, we're getting to what's important, but we're getting to what's on their heart. We're getting to things that matter to the person. And one way of getting to what matters to a person is to follow the affections. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, we're following what's important to that person, what's dear to that person, what's loved, what, what matters. It might even be what's hard, what's, what's feared, uh, what's going on in their life that's difficult. But in that sense, it still matters. That's why conversations often go on to children and family, um, because those are the things that matter often to those who have families. Of course, we've got to be careful, um, because there are many single people in our churches and those without children. Um, and, and we're wanting to still follow the affections and find out those things that are important to that individual person. So we follow the affections. We'll come back to that again um, in a moment. We also want to look for signs of life. It's another way of putting that, following the affections. Look, look at the things in the conversation that tend to make a person brighten up and, and come to life. Um, what animates them? Uh, what are they keen to talk about? Um, when do they seem to brighten up? It's often a clue again towards the heart and towards the things that matter. Sometimes, even though we pursue conversations 
in that kind of way. Things may go flat for all kinds of reasons. Maybe someone else is distracted. Maybe the person you're engaging, they need to move on and get away. Um, Maybe there's something hard and they're not ready to talk about it or to talk to you about it. That's okay too. And if you're you're sensing that, um, um, if if you know the person, you might want to pursue that a bit further with them. Um, But if not, then it might be right in love and in grace to, to just withdraw, draw the conversation to a close. In the meantime, to pray for the person and be ready to follow up again. Sometimes, though, we will get to those things that are important for the person, and it's then that we begin to think about prayer. Again, we were doing that at the end of the second session. The conversation begins to move on to those things that are important, the things that are on a person's heart, the the likes, the dislikes, the hopes and fears, and then you begin to take them to your heart. What matters to that person begins to matter to you. It's how God has loved us, and it's how we want to love other people. And on some of those occasions, then, it might be right to ask, again, depending on where the relationship is at, how can I pray for you in that? Let me know how I can pray about that. If not, then at least we leave the conversation, we know a little bit more about the person, and it invites us to pray in a more intelligent way for them in the future, and then to return at a later time to engage them again on that point. So remember, we're talking about how we begin to get to that place where we're loving people, knowing their needs, and able to pray for them and to care for them well. We're saying that we, we begin by, by moving towards and greeting. And we've seen then about how we begin to engage with thoughtful conversations that follow the heart. But how then do we take those relationships further? How do those relationships really begin to grow and, and to deepen? Um, well, there are a number of, of ways that we could, um, angles that we could come in at that, but one helpful way is to begin to see the good in people, in a sense, begin to enjoy the person. It's one of those aspects of friendship, isn't it, that we, we enjoy our friends. So we focused on those initial conversations Some of that keeps carrying through. We keep repeating thoughtful conversations. That just becomes the normal currency of our interactions because it's how God loves us. We follow what's important. It's always good to get to think of how we will pray and connect the person's life with the living God. But how does this one anothering grow? One of the key things, I think, is, is the building of trust, because in a sense, real one-anothering, real sharing and disclosing um, will happen whenever there is trust between people. And as a general rule, that kind of trust will grow as, as friendship grows and as we do see the good in one another and begin to enjoy one another in the way that God enjoys us. Zephaniah 3.17, it's a wonderful verse of Scripture. Uh, favorite for many people. Listen to these words. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. If that is how our Father loves us, then we want to get to enjoying one another. We want to get to rejoicing over one another with singing. Um, And you won't enjoy someone 
and you won't get the opportunity to love them and serve them unless you look for the good in their lives. People are made in the image of God. They have the Spirit of God in their lives. There is good to see, and there's even common grace to be seen in those that are unbelievers. So what kind of good then do we look for? Well, we've listed some of the things there. Character, qualities, look for patience, look for self-control, look for those selfless acts that others do, those encouraging words they speak, the, the, the courtesy, their, their hard work. There can be a vast range of things. The way you handle that situation was great. Um, look for those kinds of character qualities. You may look more specifically for gifts and talents with people. I've noticed you're so good with children, or I really enjoyed the way you were, you were playing the, the piano today. And remember that it's, this is not about trying to kind of boost people's self-esteem. We, we're noticing the image of God here. We, we're, we're noticing the gifts that the living God has given to this person, um, and we're rejoicing in that with them. What other good can we look for and begin to pick up on in our conversations? People's pleasures and preferences. We get to know what they enjoy. If someone's into football, we listen. We get into football with them. Um, we have a guy in our church who's really into fishing, um, and one of the older gentlemen in our church. Um, and I have no interest whatsoever in fishing. I'm sorry if anyone here is a keen fisherman or fisherwoman. Um, but, but as I've listened to, to Bertie, my friend, I'm, I'm nearly persuaded to go out on a boat with him. He's, he's really begun to get me, I was going to say, get me hooked, if you'll pardon the uh, groan. Um, that's, that's not a good way to build up, you know, weak humor is not a good way to build up relationships. Um, following people's pleasures and, and, and preferences. And then once again, looking for that spiritual good, looking for that vitality. Someone on the way out of church says to you, you know, I really enjoyed the sermon this morning. Well, pause, stop. Well, what did you find good? How's that going to help this week? How will you grow through that? Or someone, um, Brian mentioned um, in his talk about people sharing how God is working in their lives. And it can be so encouraging just for someone to begin to share personally about what God is doing, um, how God is working um, in situations, and it's good to pick up on the good of that and, and enjoy that and rejoice in that. So remember, we're, we're engaging people, we're wanting thoughtful conversations, we're wanting to see these relationships grow and deepen so that we can get to the point where we are caring well for one another. We want to see the good. Um, but then how do we get to compassion? Because there are hard things in people's lives. How do we get to compassion from fishing? Well, we see the good and we begin to disclose. In, in, and in that way then, trust begins to build. As people tell stories, again, as people tell stories, they're, they're disclosing their life to you. And it's that kind of disclosure that begins to allow trust to build. Um, and this is how a helping relationship develops. It can be everything from, well, Bertie, how did the fishing go this week? Right through to, Bertie, tell me, I've never asked you before, how did you become a Christian 50 years ago? Um, asking for those kinds of stories with people, taking the time to draw that out, 
and, and again, following what's important, going after the things that, that matter. We, we, we listen, we, we track with the person. In James chapter 1, James says, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. It's a, it's a beautiful word that James uses there. That word hear has the idea of uh, listening to someone so that you know what it's like in their shoes. Um, listening to someone in such a way that you really grow in that kind of understanding of their situation. And that's the kind of hearing, listening that we want to be doing uh, as we are focusing on someone and wanting to grow that relationship with them. Again, we, we, we identify what's important, tracking the affections, the emotions, what's troubling a person, what's exciting them, giving them joy. Um, and again, this happened to us one day with Bertie. Bertie does a bit of DIY. He was, and it's not my forte, those of you who know me will know that. And uh, Bertie was down doing a few jobs around our house. We were sitting over lunch and um, I can't remember really how we got to it. It was talking to, again, hearing stories from Bertie's life. But he began to talk about his struggle with tinnitus. And tinnitus is that condition where there's a, a ringing constantly in your ears. Um, and uh, I never knew that, that Bertie had this. And yet it's a very distracting, frustrating, maddening kind of condition that a lot of people have to, to struggle with and can be very hard to, to treat. And I never knew that about him. Um, sounds like a small thing, but this was a huge thing in, in Bertie's life. Something that was important to him, something that was hard. Now, when people begin to mention the hard things, we can easily, easily get flummoxed. Um, we, don't know, we don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, we don't know the right thing to say. We can be tempted to try and escape onto another subject. I think I've done that plenty of times. Um, what happens when we get to the hard stuff? Because we will get to it. Uh, some good principles, and maybe the principle, is that we, we, just, we hurt with those that are hurting. Um, compassion is the right response to, to trouble. We, we grieve with those who grieve. We, we suffer with those who are suffering. We've been thinking about that already. We ask what has happened here. We ask how it is affecting the person. Tell me more, Bertie, about your tinnitus. That sounds really hard. What way does it affect you? Um, and where we are enjoying the good with the person, we then have compassion upon the hard. We, we, we want to feel the hardship. We want to, we want to get to know more about that hardship to the point where we are feeling it with the person. And we can express then that grief. That, that's hard. I'm sorry about that. And sometimes we won't know what to say. And if that's true, well, then we, we are real about that as well. That's, that's hard. You know, I, I don't know what to say to that, but, you know, I'm with you in this. And let me know how I can pray for you in it. We, we, we grieve. We hurt with those who are hurting. There are a few things that it's wiser for compassion to not say, or that compassion doesn't say. Um, it never really helps to say it could be worse. Um, we've all done it. Um, to, to compare suffering, by and large, is not helpful. Um, and I think the reason for that is that um, 
it's really missing the person in front of you. So, for example, if I was to get a bit flummoxed, as Bertie tells me about his tinnitus, and thinking of something to say, I say, well, it could be worse, at least it's not. You know, it's, it's, it's missing the person that's in front of me. It's missing how this problem is affecting him. Um, other things to not say, uh, what is God teaching you through this? Um, we've all done it. Um, and yet it can easily, to the person who's... And, and even though God, God is always up to something in our struggles, we know that. Scripture teaches that. It can lead to a view for the person who's struggling that, that God will keep inflicting this pain until I get what he's teaching me. Um, it, it, it leaves me feeling that I'm not getting it, and if only I would learn it and get it and open up my eyes and see it, then maybe the pain would go away. We've got to be careful with that one. Um, or God will work this together for good. Now, Romans 8 28. I, I love the verse. I, I feel so sorry for Romans 8, 28, because I feel that in some ways, because we're, we can be so aware of how it's been mishandled, that sometimes then we fail to actually use the, the riches of the truth that, that are contained in Romans 8, 28 for people. And the difficulty sometimes is, is that um, at the beginning of someone's suffering, Romans 8, 28 can just be, be too early, the wrong thing to say. A year later, it might be just perfect and wonderful and encouraging and, in retrospect, something to rejoice in. But we've got to be careful with our timing. And, and again, it comes back to understanding the person that's right in front of us, why we need to take that time to get to the heart and to get to how things really are. Um, the, the other thing, ah, these are all, these must be, I must have written down all these ones that I've done in the past here. The other one to not say, or to be careful about saying is, if you need anything, anytime, please call me. Um, because by and large, the person who is struggling often won't call. Um, they, they, they don't want to burden you. Um, and sometimes we can say that feeling that at least we've kind of discharged some kind of duty. Um, and it's back to that idea of pursuing. God being this pursuing God, we, 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 we go after instead of waiting for the person um, to come. One of the great dangers of counseling is that most people are coming to you and you miss that really the, the overall dynamic in Scripture is of pursuit. Shepherds go after uh, sheep. So compassion then. Compassion is humble and, and is careful. There's a humility which may not always know the right thing to say. There's a carefulness which is sensitive um, not to hurt and exacerbate the suffering. And then we get back really to um, how can we pray? How can I pray for you? Um, you may not know what to say. You may hit that brick wall in terms of thinking how to apply Scripture. And it's then that really that asking how you can pray, I think, comes into its own. What would you like me to pray for? There's a sense in which by asking that question, you really cut right to the heart of someone's need. Because whenever you force a person to think about what they want you to pray for, 
it, it begins to, to, to it, it causes them to consider what their real need is. And the wonderful thing is that whether you pray with them in the moment or go off and pray for them, what you're doing then is you are, again, to come back to where we were started this morning, is we're returning vertically and we're taking the living God, His Word and His promises, and we are connecting them with the person's need. That's what was happening in those groups of three that you were uh, in just before lunch. Um, in a sense, you're doing what all good ministry, uh, what all good ministry of the Word, what all good counseling does, what all good preaching does. It, it takes the Word and it connects it right down into the person's need. And as you have then heard that need and pray, you're doing that connection. Bertie may begin to open up about the hardship of being single all his life as he has been. Um, about the loneliness, about the loss. And as I pray then, I bring the Lord and His Word to that need. Lord, You've promised You are with us always. But Lord, what does that mean for, for Bertie in an empty house every evening? Lord, Lord, grant that he may have a sense of Your presence and, and companionship when he's alone in such a way that it will be real to him. And Lord, grant them also those good companions that are part of living in your body, those companions that are going to walk with him and encourage him and give Bertie faith to, to see and to even feel the reality of your promises. Do you see how prayer is taking the need that we've come to as we've engaged the person and begins to take the, the, the living Lord and His living Word and His promises and connects those in real and living and powerful ways. Wonderful that we have this role in that kind of, of ministry um, of, of, of the Lord in our midst. And then we, we begin to, to, as well as, as greeting, engaging, building that relationship, taking it deeper, praying, we, we follow up. We follow up. Compassion remembers. When the Lord has, has opened up a, a struggle um, to you, that someone has shared with you, and you've been affected by that struggle, we will remember. We will remember. We, we all know that, don't we? You've, you've experienced the power of, of someone um, coming up to you and, and, and remembering that you had told them something of what you were going through. And they come up and they, they ask you about it again. They follow up. Or, the, or, or someone who's remembered an anniversary. Um, we all know the power of that. So we, 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 we again pursue. We move towards. We, we call. We email. We track someone down. Um, tomorrow morning in the, in the vast crowds that we pray will we'll come into Fane Street. Tomorrow morning, you look out for that person that, that you saw last week and that you had a brief exchange with, and you, you go after them, you pursue them, you follow up. And we do that because God remembers. God pursues, God follows up. We, it's, it's a theme throughout Scripture, the Old Testament, and God remembered Noah, and God remembered Rachel in her need. And the children of Israel were there in the land of Egypt, and they were groaning, not even towards the Lord, and God heard, and God remembered His covenant. 
with them. God remembers, and we too will follow up. Some of us, as we hear all of this, we're feeling overwhelmed. We're thinking, I'm not cut out for this. This is, this is just not me. Well, it is. And let me remind you that, that we have a real helper. Um, you have the Holy Spirit. We all have this spirit of the living God who pursues, who knows, who understands, who has compassion, who enjoys. We have this Holy Spirit within us, real, living, active, powerful. He was at work mightily in those triplets just before lunch and in those conversations with each other. The Spirit active all of the time. He's a helper to us. He's a spirit of wisdom and understanding as you're listening, as you're thinking, as you're engaging, as you're trying to to, to, to get to what's on this person's heart. And you have in him all of the competencies that are needed to encourage and to instruct others. We have a real helper. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The real helper is within you. And then just a few last points about um, context. Um, we are part of, of a bigger body. Um, we can't do this for everyone. Um, it was lovely just to hear over lunch there how the Lord has been just recently blessing your church and people have been coming and there's a sense then of feeling uh, overwhelmed. Where do we begin here? Um, we can't do it for everyone. Are there priorities? Well, it's back to what we mentioned earlier. There are newcomers who we will move towards. There are those who in need who have been in our heart and we know about, and we will pursue them also as a priority. After, after that, there are friends, there are people in our small group. And as well as the, the, the newcomers and, and those who are in particular need that, that are known to you, it can be helpful for all of us to, to think about just picking maybe two or three people who, will, who we will focus on in this way. And if, we, if you think about it, if, if everybody in the congregation even chose a small number of people to begin to, to work on these things with the Spirit's grace in a very focused and particular way, or even to just build up already those relationships that are, that are there, well then, we would begin to, to cover the, the, the body of Christ and that particular gathering of it that is in Windsor Baptist. So we are part of a bigger body, and we've got to, to think about how we, we, we catch everyone within that body. The Lord will give you grace for that. I'm sure if He's brought, if He's bringing people to you, He will his grace will be sufficient, as we were reminded earlier. Sometimes we get stuck as we try to help others. Um, again, it's where wisdom and humility come in. There's a right time, perhaps, whenever you're maybe dealing with someone's problems, where you begin to feel that the nature of this problem, maybe it's complexity, maybe the severity of it, maybe there's some kind of harm to the person or to others associated with it, um, and in that case, humility and compassion and love for the person will begin to widen the circle. 
Um, and there, of course, that needs to be done wisely, and issues of confidentiality and so forth need to be considered. But um, it's wise to bring in then those that are more experienced, elders, leadership, those with pastoral experience. And so sometimes we get stuck with the hard things, and it's wise to bring others in in a wise and loving way. But I want to just finish with the, the big picture, the, the big, beautiful, growing body of which you are an expression in Windsor Baptist. Ephesians 4, uh, Paul writes these words from verse 15. He says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What a glorious, glorious picture, this growing, maturing body becoming more fruitful, more beautiful as it grows more like Christ. What a picture, that, the, the, the jungle full of savage wildlife becomes this garden of color and of beauty and of fruitfulness that is growing into the image of the glory of Christ. That's what you are. Let me pray for you. Father, we rejoice that we are that body. We are that growing, maturing, loving body of Christ. We have Him as our head. We have His Spirit within us and at work through us and among us to grow us in that way. And Lord, we pray Your blessing upon this church as they seek, Lord, to work this out in relationships of grace that will put on display the glory of their Savior, that you would bless them, that you would give them grace in the specific everyday conversations and relationships, that in all of that, there would be that growing fruitfulness that will put you on display. So, Lord, we ask your blessing upon all that we've already thought about today, and as we continue on now, continue with us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Folks, we, we have a, a little, this is going to be less threatening than Brian's and no paper airplanes. I mean, this is just the best conference I have ever been at. I mean, that people are throwing paper airplanes around the place. It's just uh, fun and, uh, and helpful. Um, but what we're going to do now is just maybe in groups of three where you're sitting, just to, to think together for a short time about the kind of barriers there are to the, the sort of relationships that we've tried to, to, try to think about there um, throughout today, and particularly just in the last talk there. What are the barriers to turning to others in their need? Why might we find it hard to move towards others? Um, what, what is sometimes the cause of that kind of glass pane coming down that I described at the beginning? Um, so, so why do we find it hard to, to move towards others? Why might people also then find it hard to share their needs with us? 
Um, and are there, are there things that we can do there? And just let me encourage you to think a little bit more deeply, even about some of the heart issues that can be behind that. What are the, the fears and the concerns that are sometimes lurking underneath some of these um, barriers? And having discussed that for a time, and no doubt there'll be bells ringing at some point, um, then pray for one another. Um, bring, those, bring those barriers, stumbling blocks, whatever they are, let's bring them before the living God, that he would deal with those and deal with us. Um, and, that, and ask also that the Holy Spirit tomorrow would, would lead you to someone that you can move toward in church and begin to think about how you can practice some of the things that we've been thinking about. So think about the barriers and pray about that and then also ask the Holy Spirit to be leading you specifically to those that you can move towards tomorrow in church.